0: एक देव मंदिर नहीं है यह भारत की दृष्टि का भारत के दर्शन का भारत के दिग्दर्शन का मंदिर है यह राम के रूप में राष्ट्र चेतना का मंदिर है राम भारत की आस्था है राम भारत का आधार है Ram Bharat Ka Ram Bharat Ka Ram Bharat Ki Ram Bharat Chintanhe, Ram Bharat Ki Ram Bharat ka Ram Prava Ram Prava Ram Neti ne- Bhi, bhi Ram Niti Bhi Ram Nitjata Bhi Ram Nirantrata Bhi Ram Vivu विशद है राम व्यापक है विश्व है विश्वात्मा है और इसलिए जब राम की प्रतिष्ठा होती है तो उसका प्रभाव वर्षों या शताब्दियों तक ही नहीं होता उसका प्रभाव हजारों वर्षों के लिए होता है
1: नमस्ते Jai Shri Ram! A very warm welcome to all of you on probably if I was to say one of the best days of my life. Uh, uh, I'm actually very overwhelmed today. I normally am not. Um, I thought I would do the monologue and I can hold my own because I'm usually a very you know. what what does my wife call me? My wife calls me a very boring person at times. Boring in the sense that I'm very, you know, equanimous in my behavioral pattern, and I usually don't get overwhelmed. But uh, I would be the first one to uh, admit I am really overwhelmed today. Um, I I don't know how one feels uh, about. Uh, 15th August or 26th January 1947 because uh, I was not born in 1947. I was born in 1981, 18th January 1981. So I never felt what those Indians must have felt on 15th August or 26th January when we finally got into our constitution and we finalized the constitution. I don't know how those people felt. But I know what I feel today. Uh, In many ways, 22nd January 2024 is is the pivotal day of, I think, this country's existence. Uh, This civilization's existence, if I was to use the correct words. And, you know, as you can see, I did not do my usual introduction to the podcast because I really don't care about any of that today. I'm not talking about anything. I'm just diving straight into it. So I don't know where, you know, I I don't even think we should compare 15th August, 26th January with uh, 22nd January. Uh, I don't know what formula somebody can come up with, you know, when we compare those two days. Obviously, I, I like the idea of our freedom. I love the idea of our constitution being formalized through, you know, the Constituent Assembly dates. But in many ways, today's date, is the quintessential um, difference between what it means to have a Rajya and what it means to have a Rastra. You know, a while back on this very podcast, I had done a monologue about the Rajya versus Rastra debate. And... Um, And I had explained what a Raj is, what a Rashtra is, and I don't want to get into those details right now. I don't want to bore you with uh, the nitty-gritty of that. Uh, If you want, you can go back and uh, check that out. But today, on the 22nd of January, 2024, with Ram Mandir Pran Pratishtha, I think our Rastriya identity or the Rastriya chitti I think that has finally awakened we had a Rajya right on 15th August 1947 and then through our debates later on on 26th January we formed a Rajya we did but no society is complete until the Rajya and the rashtra get in sync and no Rajya, no matter how quote unquote secular we want it to be Like I've never hidden I'm a secularist no Rajya on planet earth is complete until it accepts its Rashtriya Chitti Chitti is a Hindi Sanskrit word now if I was to uh, use a, a non-Sanskrit word. I don't know. In Punjabi, we call it jugni. It's like a jugni of a nation or an identity. Uh, in English, what is the word in English? I don't know what the word in English would be. I, essence? I don't know. But a nation is incomplete until it accepts its innate identity. And I think today 26 January was the first time this this nation-state became a civilizational state. We were a civilizational state on paper. But today, we became a civilizational state in reality. The Ramjan Bhumi movement, which if I want to point it out, we should call it a struggle culminated into its final result after a long long time I mean 496 years to be very precise from a historical point of view and to be using the colloquialism we call it 500 years it just sounds better when when one says 500 years and you know 496 sounds as if oh it's kind of incomplete for some so if we you know we call it 500 years if we were to the Ramjan muhumi is a classic case of that now, for years. I don't know how many years, but for years, we were lied to by Sarkari historians. Now, what do I mean by Sarkari historians? Sarkari historians are people who sold their Atma or soul. They sold their souls because they hated India. They hated everything Indian. They hated this country's identity. They hated this country's essence. They hated everything native to this country. These people lied to us. These people who cut a deal with I don't know how many people. I mean, from the early Nehruvian state to Indira Gandhi formalizing the system and just being constantly lied to. Hinduism is a new construct. But everything bad that has been going on in our society for the last thousands of years is also Hinduism. I mean, we, they could not even decide whether Hinduism is new or Hinduism is old. So every time something bad has to be discussed, it is all Hinduism, which is old. Every time something new has to be uh, discussed because there are many good things in the past also. That's not Hinduism because Hinduism is new. And, you know, this cacophony uh, of uh, facts, quote, unquote, facts that has been created. You know, we had to deal We, we, the children who are born in this country after independence. We had to bear the brunt of the lies that were told by the Sarkari historians. We had to bear the brunt to be living dual lives where we go to the school. And we were told some things in our history textbooks. And then we would come back home and we would hear completely different things. Just think about it. Think about the impact that has on a child. If you are a child going to school, hoping to learn what is the truth about your country or about other countries. And then you come back home and you, you see your parents telling you, what did they teach you in school? Uh They said XYZ was benevolent and your society sucks. But it doesn't suck. Well, it sucks in some ways, but it doesn't suck in entirety. And then you go, hang on, then why are they teaching me this in school? And just think about the mental impact it has on a child. Well, clearly, the communist historians, the Sarkari historians of this country, they didn't care. They were just hating. Either they were self-hating or I don't know what their issue was. But they didn't care. They imposed everything on us and made us live, especially the kids of my gen- 60s, 70s, 80s children, 90s children. I don't know about the 2000 onwards. Maybe even they lived those lives, dual lives. One thing in school, one thing at home. One thing in school, one thing at home. And it's just frustrating. Believe me that today I am a 43-year-old. And when I go back and I look at all those things as an analyst, nothing else, just as an analyst. And I just think, why did they do this to us? Why would they lie to us? Why would they make us go through this traumatic experience of being lied about our own history? I just don't get it. But hey, it did happen to us. I don't want to swear. Because it's a very good day today. But you know what I'm thinking in my head, ladies and gentlemen. When I talk about these Sarkari historians. All the swear words you have seen me use on the Sham Sharma show. Increase the intensity 100 times. And those are the ones that are, are going on in my head right now. When it comes to this lot. What they did to us. The total denialism of the record of Islamism in India the complete and utter cover up when it comes to the Ramjan Mabhumi and you know kashi or mathura hai. the complete cover up if it was not for the hindu temples what happened to them by sitaram gol i would not know this stuff if it was not for the voice of india website that uploaded all these books for free and then with references i could go and check each and every one of them I would not know anything. I was interested. I read them. How many did? How many would read? I was a nerd. I wanted to read all these things. I can't believe it. The the level I, I still remember. When I was reading Hindu temples, what happened to them, volume one and volume two by the late great Sitaram Goyal. And I was filled with anger. I was filled with anger. I was like, is this real? Okay, I'm not going to trust it. I'll go and fact check this stuff. And then I go and fact check these things. And lo and behold, I look at the Mughal chronicles. I look at the court historians of the Mughals. And it is spot on. And I'm like, why didn't they tell us in schools then? That, you know, over a thousand Temples were broken and they just barely scratched the surface because this is the stuff we know. We don't know what else happened. We don't know. And this is why today is so important because we're slowly breaking the shackles. Today marks the day where we have taken the first step towards reclaiming what is truly ours. I was 11 year old when the Ramjan Bumumi happened. I I still remember that was the first time in my life when I realized what it is to be a Hindu. Listen, before that or or in a very significant day, even after that, after that also, I mean, being Hindu for me was what? You get up in the morning, you go to the home temple, pray. Sometimes during a week or the month, your parents take you to a temple to pray. Then my mom always used to tell me, you also thank God before you go to sleep. So I would pray in the night before I sleep. That's what I used to do. We used to have the Ramayan part at home at my Tauji's house, my uncle's house. They, they lived nearby, would just hop, skip and jump. And we would go to their house and they would have the Ramcharitmanas. They would read the entire Ramcharitmanas, And, you know, one after the other, my father had a big family, you know, four brothers, four sisters, and all of them would be there. They would be reading it. And, you know, as kids, we were told, you know, the standard thing that most of you, I think, living in urban India must have gone through. Go there, and you just go and play cricket. I mean, let's get real. That's all I used to do. But on six December 1992 was the first time as a kid. I was like, hang on. What is this stuff? What are these people talking about? Who are these people? I, I became a BJP supporter because of the one person that affected me probably the most. I still remember this clip. I am not making this up and I want to share this clip with you guys. Believe me, I'm not lying. I, I literally remember this clip and I want to play this. I This clip.
2: अक्टूबर को
3: वहां पर पहुंच करके कार सेवा करेंगे और मंदिर वहीं बनाएंगे उसको कौन
0: रोकेगा
3: कौन सी सरकार रोकने वाली
0: है
1: I clearly remember the words of Advani Ji on that day. I, I clearly remember the words of Advani Ji because I'm like, what's It was just 11, 10, 11. I was like, what are these people talking about? My first reaction was, why is this gentleman so angry? And it's natural, right? I mean, why is this gentleman so angry? And you're 11. You don't know how to deal with these things. And another... Very famous interview. I don't know if you guys have ever heard these words of Kalyan Singh Ji, but I think this encapsulates Hindu emotions
0: very well. I
1: want to play this
0: too. Two के बाद बहुत से लोग कहते हैं कि 6 दिसंबर 1992 की घटना शर्म की बात है मैं कहता हूं दिसंबर की घटना शर्म का विषय नहीं है का विषय है कि नहीं बचा मुझे कोई गम नहीं होता और ढांचे के का न
1: I remember these words. I remember these words despite being so chota at that time of time. I was a very young child. I would not understand it then. But I clearly, this was my baby step into first time in my life when I became a Hindu. I'm like, okay, my small brain, my 11-year-old brain was forced to tackle this idea that what it is to be a Hindu. Because we didn't know that a Hindu could be assertive. A Hindu could speak back. Oh, I did not even know our temples were broken. Because hang on, I went to the school, they never told me these things. This was the first time that I realized that this happened. I mean, my parents would tell us that Islamic invaders had come, but it was never in a detail. It was never so specific. Like, I'll give you an analogy. Why do fundraising when we do charitable causes involves, you know, showing a photo of a single person and that when when that single person is shown, you tend to have this emotional response and you tend to donate more money. You know, it always happens like that. But if, you know, you give a vague sort of a statistic to donate money, somehow it doesn't work well with the human brain. So that kind of analogy works here. So even if I would have been told that this, this, this happened, I would not have reacted but when you have you pick a single event and you kind of uh, pick that single event and you make it all about that single event it has a much larger impact at least in my case it did i'm not saying it's going to have uh, the same event uh, kind of impact on everybody else i'm not expecting that i don't expect it for anyone else but in my case it did happen in a very significant way and 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 i was like okay I don't know how to say this in any other way, but this—I once again, I apologize. Like, I'm finding it hard. I usually am very precise in my monologues, but today it's just a very emotional day. So I, I'm—I maybe I'm sucking at it today. I just—I don't know. I'm just the emotions running in me today. I, I have so many emotions right now in me that maybe I'm messing it up. And I apologize if I'm not at my usual standard that I hold myself to. But I—I I just. I don't know, is what I'm saying, but my eleven-year-old brain was forced to grapple with this reality because of Advaniji. You know, one of my cherished properties is a book I have over there, my country, my life by Advaniji. I f- went to meet Advaniji at his house, and I got it personally signed. And uh, till this date, it is I think one of my prized possessions because. I did not get into socio-political work because in 2014, I was impressed by Narendra Modi. I'm a very big Narendra Modi supporter. Don't get me wrong. But I got into politics because of Advani Ji. I'm not saying even Atal Ji. I'm talking about Advani Ji. Literally, for me, it was Lal Krishna Advani. There was something in the way he spoke. There was something in the way he addressed the issue. Uh, I don't know i just i was hooked onto it and till date i would say it is advani ji that i still look up to you can say thousand things about advani ji as a political strategist and everything but for me it was advani ji and uh, i this this clip was always kind of you know embedded in my mind so yeah so you know i also want to talk about this issue that people say you know, what happened on 6th December 1992 was not right. You know, you, you would have these drawing rooms, the drawing room discussions with people and say, like, okay, maybe it was not ideal. Maybe it was not ideal. Okay, I concede that. But can you explain why this struggle lasted 496 freaking years? Can somebody answer that? Maybe. Maybe we can address that too. Has anyone asked this question to the ones who refuse to cede an inch to the nonviolent Hindus who practice restraint for all those years? More than 450 years. Why do we expect one-sided ahimsa? Why can we ask that question? Can we dare to ask that question? Is my question. I this is my question to all those people who say this was not ideal, even if I concede this was not ideal. Our pain doesn't matter, it doesn't matter at all, not even an inch, not even a percentage. And if this pain did not exist, why in the year 1858? was there a complaint filed in the thaned, to the Thannedar of Awadh basically narrating how 25 Nihang Sikhs basically came all the way from Punjab. They entered the so-called e That's the best word. Huh? They call it Masjid-e-Janamsthan. I mean, the why do you call it masjid e But, we have to call it masjid e So who was that guy? Muhammad Ashgar. He was the muazzin of the Babri Masjid. masjid e He tells the authorities, oh, by Mujah Bachao, these Sikhs have come in, they have taken over, and they have written Ram Ram all over the walls of the masjid. Why were we not told this bit of history? Why were we not told this history? Can I ask this question? Can somebody answer this? This is a well referenced, stated record of Indian history that the great historian Minakshi Jain narrates in her book Ramayana and Ayodhya you cannot deny this bit she has documented it properly so my question as a counter to your question is if you say this is not ideal why was our request where we would go back again and again with folded hands and just say Why is that fine? I want to ask that question. I think today we ought to ask that question to everyone. Why is a 500-year-old struggle not valuable? But what happened on 6 December 1992? A problem. And could we have this day? Had it not been? For six December 1992. Could we? You come and waltz over our sacred spots. And we are supposed to turn our backs and just say, Please run over us. We have to do this. What about the pain of this particular woman? Listen to this woman. Listen to her pain. Listen to what she went through and then you will understand what pain is.
3: Ram had the knew As they left on October after that, when they the 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 of the और वहां से लाठी डंडा पहले लाठी चार्ज हुआ किसी ने दरवाजे नहीं खोले यही एक घर था इसमें करते वक्त इसीलिए लोग खोल बंद to रहे से तोड़ते हुए नीचे तक पहुंचे तो यहां के लोग तो मार दिए गए वही थे और फिर गोली सड़क चल रही थी तो जो अंदर रहे वो बच गए सब लोग तो 340 के लगभग घायल और मारे मिला कर थे सबको में फेंक दिए पर सब कारसेतों के भागवे हमने टांग दिए थे जो रंगी यहां सब चप्पलें बिखरी हुई थी खून फैला हुआ था यह आजाद भारत है क्या वो केवल बचा था कि साल से ज्यादा का नहीं था तो मारा कि तक गए फिर भी नहीं। पता भी तो उसका पंडित करा दिया, कुछ नहीं था। जहाँ ये भाग रहे, मंदिर के बात है कि हमारे पति को नहीं देख।
1: Who will answer this woman? Who will compensate the pain this woman felt? बार-बार एक ही चीज कही जाती है, जो 6 दिसंबर को हुआ, वो अच्छा नहीं हुआ। इनके साथ जो हुआ वो अच्छा हुआ इनके परिवारों के बच्चे मरे वो अच्छा हुआ जो मंदिर तोड़कर मस्जिद बनाई गई वो अच्छा हुआ कि वो क्या है वो बिग बॉस में वो बंदी ने लाइन बोली थी साड़ा कुत्ता कुत्ता तो तोड़तूता टॉमी हमारी पेन पेन नहीं है आपकी पेन पे मोनोपोली हो गई है Who's going to answer for this? I deserve an answer. So, you know, back to why I became a Hindu. I was an atheist, full-blown atheist by the age of 18. I really, I mean, when I talk about being an atheist, I mean, I dislike God. <laughs> I disliked religion. I disliked everything religious. Ironically, I think my, my the, one of the reasons for my becoming an angry atheist was I read monotheistic religions first. And let's just say it did not help my cause. <laughs> you know, when you read uh, a, a religious text and, and the text says the God is angry, the God is jealous, you see so much violence towards others just because they are disbelievers or believe in someone else? I mean, I'm not blaming myself in that situation. Let's just put it that way. You're bound to become an atheist when you read religious texts like that. You're bound to be turned off. The problem is most religious people don't read religious texts. The most people who read religious texts are actually atheists. That's that's actually a reality. But then surely what's You know, slowly but surely, I started reading Hindu texts. And yeah, I I did find many problems in Hindu texts. And you just have to go through my content to know how many problems I have. But then, you know, there was something uniquely good I found in this meme So today, as I speak to you, I am a Hindu. I am a Hindu by choice. I am a Hindu by conviction. I am a Hindu because I have seen something... Deeply important in this meme for my society. In fact, I would say for the whole world. And I mean this in all seriousness. Yes, I do not see any divinity in Sri Ram. But to me, he represents the Hindu identity more than anything else. To me. Maybe I am a Hindu because of Bhagwan Sri Ram. And the irony is I don't even think he's a Bhagwan. I think he's a cultural icon. But that's my personal belief. But I will still call him a Bhagwan because he deserves to be called a Bhagwan because my culture addresses him like that and I will respect that reality. And if you have a problem with that, go to hell. And my personal beliefs or disbeliefs are not relevant. Everyone sees different things in Ram. To me, cultural continuity matters a lot. It's all about that. It is because of the living memory of Sri Ram that we could do what we have done today. Always remember this. Societies that forget their past will never rebuild. Societies that remember their past, they are the only ones who rebuild. This is why we got to hear. Because of all those people who used to sing Ram Bhajans, all those people who used to talk about the struggle. All those people who would consistently go on narrating it. Then we move to the new age historians or the colonial historians or the modern day historians like the great Minakshi Jain, Conrad Sita Sitaram Goel, Ram Swaroop, many others. Vikram Sampath. Yes, I would add Vikram too. And, you know, a special shout out to the Mughal court historians. I think we even need to shout out uh, the Mughal court historians. Because if those barbarians would not have recorded about their barbarism, we would not have known. Because just think about it. If the Mughal court historians would not have written all the shit they did to us, you know, it would have become a he said, she said kind of a contest. Don't you think? Because we would have been like, No, nah, ye ye log ne kiya. And uh, the other side would be like, no, 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 they did not do that. But thanks to the Mughal court historians, you know, so I want to take this opportunity. And I think all of you also should thank the Mughal court historians, because if those barbarians would not have done what they did, writing in specific detail about what they did to us, what they did to our society, what they did to our people, we would have never come where we are today. We know all of this is because they recorded their barbarism. And luckily, you know, Elliot and Dawson, <laughs> you know, they, they wrote that giant 9,000 page, A history of India as told by its historians. Although their motives were very dicey because they were like, oh, you say British do bad things. Look at what the Muslims did to you. But at least we know. At least we know and thanks to great people that we have today or we don't have but post independence who went through the entire data again harsh narender sahab and his capacity to read persian if we would not have indians who could read persian we would not know so all those people all those historians they have to be appreciated obviously the Karse works. nobody can uh, you know replace their uh, their contribution but Take this time to thank all of them, but if you ask me, Kushal, who are the biggest sinners or the the ghor papi's of this entire struggle of 500 years? Okay, maybe the man who broke the mandir and made a masjid, he's the biggest papi, he's the alpha papi. But there is one lot. That is really competing with that. That is the so-called secularist and Marxist historian camp. These frauds, these Hindu haters, they have done the most damage to our society. They lied, they twisted facts, and they shot down innocent people. These people are as guilty as that original person who broke the mandir and made the masjid over there we have to remind ourselves time and again that we should never forgive these people kabhi bhi inko maaf mat karna kyunki inone jo paap kiya hai na ye mushtando ne jo paap kiya hai iske liye to kabhi bhi maaf karna chahiye inko ye logo ne jo kaam kiye hai, kabhi bhi maaf nahi karna chahiye so always keep this in mind, always, never forget another important aspect. And maybe this can be the last aspect we can talk about. And, and, you know, maybe, uh, I will have one more person joining me on the podcast. I, I hope, uh, Suhaq joins me too. Suhaak Shukla from the Hindu American foundation, um, you know who gets the credit for this? Obviously, like I said, the historians, the Karsevaks, everybody. But I want to say something with full responsibility today. Get this thing very clear in your head. In our current setup, in this system that we live in, in this system that we have accepted as the norm to go forward, everything is downstream from politics. I repeat. Everything is downstream from politics. If it was not for the struggles of Shama Prasad Mukherjee, Lal Krishna Adwani, Atal Bihari Vajpayee, and many others in the Bharatiya Janata Party, Janasang, or the Rashtriya Swamsevak Sang, and every other Hindu organization, we would not be here where we are today. And last but not the least, we have to appreciate one man, Narendra Tamudharas Modi. If it was not for Mr. Modi and this government, we would not be getting this mandir. Never forget, in a country as feudal and top-down as India, everything is downstream from politics. Remember this thing. Look at the kind of movies that we are getting released today. Look at the cultural facets that are being pushed today softly albeit but they are pushed right every time this this is the word pushed is not used in a negative way like as enforced push is a, like a push or a pull marketing strategy when you push a product into a market push an idea into a market that's how i mean it this is all because you have a government at the center that reflects the cultural aspirations of the nation's overwhelming majority never forget that think about it today as we speak, the DMK government tried to ban the live stream. Had it not been for the high court and the Supreme Court giving an oral order, we would the, the people in Tamil Nadu would not have seen the live stream. I heard in Kerala, somebody had tweeted a message that for, for coincidentally, the two hours when the live stream was supposed to be seen, uh, light and internet was go- was going away mamta banerjee the the chief minister of bengal did all faith sadbhavna yatra today conveniently rahul gandhi has time to visit every other temple but not visit the ram mandir so don't you dare tell me that politics does not matter don't you dare tell me that please don't now imagine if all these people were in power kya hal kya mandir pata So do not kid yourselves and tell, you know, at least tell me that politics has nothing to do with this. The single biggest factor today in this entire process is politics. It is not about demeaning other people. Obviously, I'm not intending to do that. No, I I will never be in a position to repay them for their contributions. It is about strategic clarity. If you do not have strategic clarity, you will never win in life. Always remember that. Strategic clarity is the most important thing. People who lack strategic clarity will always lose. Always remember that. Never forget it. Think about the sacrifices that people have done. I want to show one more video that the ANI had posted. I mean, this just overwhelmed me. For nine generations, for nine generations, these people refused to wear the pagdi. They wore. Now.
2: Check this.
1: What is the story of these people? Ask yourself. Did you know about it? Ask yourself. Did any of you know about this? And if you don't know, spend some time and study. Study who the Suryavanshi Thakurs are and why after 500 years, the Suryavanshi Thakurs are finally wearing a turban. because their ancestors led by gajraj singh fought against mir bakis army when the janmabhoomi was seized and the mosque was built and at that day they took the vow that hum apne sarpe pe pagh kabhi nahi bandenge aur aaj jab mandir banta hai unhone pagdi bandi hai ise bolte hain struggle And aaj inko ye pagdi bandhne ka ye avsar kyon mila kyo sarkar hamari and one more important aspect. If you are from the olden days and you remember certain old interviews, I would urge you to look at this photo. I'm going to keep this photo on. Obviously, subtitles subtitles. It was in Hindi. But it says, What caste are all you from? And the answer given by one of the karsevaks is All castes. Koi jaat nahi. Ham Hindu hain. Ram Janmabhoomi was a castless movement. This is what Hindutva is all about. So it does not matter what caste you are because Shri Ram ke liye ham sab hunke hain. We are all, all of us are the children of Shri Ram. So abhi bhi der nihui. It is not too late even now. This is a message to all those castists. Shed your castist tendencies and submit to your Shri Ram. Get over your tribal jati affiliations and embrace the beauty of Hindutva and Jai Shri Ram Bol Ke Hindu Bano. Hindutva is the only true progressive open movement in India. It is the only movement that tells you to shed your tribal affiliations. This, this image that I am sharing right now this is quintessential Hindutva. This image, embrace this identity in your head. tumko koi ho, unko Hindu meri koi nahi hai. This is what matters the most. Nothing else matters. This is the quintessential identity of India. This is the bedrock of Hindu society. And if you do not understand this, you are a part of the problem. Before this entire pran pratishtha ceremony happened, there were a lot of people who said a lot of things. Unko samasya thi Das Modi unki jati unke se nahi thi. This is all they were concerned about. Badlo, apne aap ko badlo. अपनी सोच को बदलो, अपनी अंतरात्मा में झांको और अपने आप से ये प्रश्न पूछो कि क्या हिंदू होना जरूरी है कि तुम्हारी कोई जात से होना जरूरी है। If you do not get over this, this mandir would never have happened. मंदिर बन ही नहीं सकता था अगर हम हमारी जात के पीछे लगे रखते थे। और इसीलिए मैं कह रहा हूँ Never underestimate the power of politics and never associate Hindutva with casteism. This image is Hindutva. This image that says, what caste are all you from? All castes. We are only Hindu. That's the only thing that matters. This is what matters the most. Nothing else. Everything else is secondary. The Hindu identity is primary. And this doesn't mean... We exclude Muslims. आज मुझे पता है कि कुछ लोगों को बहुत पीड़ा हुआ है बहुत बहुत ज्यादा लाइफ हो रहा है कुछ लोगों का मतलब ये वाली मैडम का तो तौर बताना चाहता ये, ये वाली मैडम आई I think
4: uh, what Mr. Modi is trying to do with this is that he's fundamentally changing two things one is the way we have imagined India India of my forefathers, India of my dreams, India where I think I I belong in the future. And also, uh, he's also trying to change Hindu religion fundamentally. Like the introduction of politics into religion and religion into politics.
1: How convenient, isn't it? She says, Hindus are supposed to avoid politics. This lot... And her entire ilk, they can play politics all the time. They don't care. They can mix religion and politics 24-7. How convenient, isn't it? But oh, oh, oh. Hindu one. And you know, I'm I'm really happy, but as I told you guys, Suhaak Shukla from the Hindu American Foundation had promised me that she will join me today. And now we have Suhaak. Suhaak, Jai Ram, how are you?
2: Jai Shriram. I'm uh, elated, a whole range of emotions today. I'm so happy that I'm in India because even though I'm not in Ayodhya, the, the sense of, I don't know, peace, joy, elation, closure, it's palpable everywhere. So, so
1: I, I want to start by asking you a very important question. Everybody is trying to make this about, oh, Mr. Modi is uh, mixing politics and religion. I just want to ask you one, uh, you know, you're an American. Why does America have a Sunday holiday?
2: <laughs> exactly. Why can't people buy liquor uh, before a certain time in on a Sunday? People may not know that. You can't buy alcohol or anything before noon. I know in India there's dry states, but in the United States, that's not a thing. But um, there's a number of laws that we have that are as a result of kind of the majority, right? And the earliest lawmakers. Um, so I, I just, I think it's much ado uh, about nothing. He's He's a Hindu, the President Biden attends mass. He attends the National Day of Prayer, where it's quite rare um, to have uh, people from other religions giving the main benediction. It's it's usually an, uh, been a Christian. So uh, I don't know. I, I think that there's always a double standard when it comes to India.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, what I find very fascinating about this entire process is that there is this one-sided expectation system, uh, which is very unique to India, where the Hindu is expected to uh, never be religious The Hindu is expected to never even assert his religiosity till the extent that if a Hindu is taking a Shobha Yatra, a religious procession out of a slightly Muslim dominated area, that Hindu is actually committing a grave sin by just taking, I mean, I got to go from point A to point B, lo and behold, (laughs) that area comes smack between there and If I don't choose to go from that area, I might end up wasting 45 minutes by taking a large detour. But that's what I have to take because Indian secularism demands that a Hindu can never even assert his religiosity.
2: Yeah. You know, it's been interesting. I was out with someone um, earlier and they're like, well, why can't we build a hospital or why can't we build more schools? And I'm like, who do you think is building all the hospitals and schools that are here just because it doesn't have a Hindu label slapped on it. When you have a country that has 79% Hindu population, that it's not like these hospitals are just dropping down from the earth, uh, from, from space, um, without any sort of religious identity behind the founders. So I, I just think my response to her was, well, why can't we do both? And isn't it true that both are happening? So, um, that individual didn't really have a response for me. Um, But it's, I think, a combination of both an external double standard, but also an internal double standard. Um, Just the the really weird way in which secular has been um, interpreted here, I think is, um, I think it it contributes to that. I think the better word here is minorityism, uh, Mm -hmm. where not everyone is treated the same, but carve-outs are made for minorities. So in an ideal secular, and I know the whole history of secular being rooted in, in Christianity, um, but aside from that, let's just talk about just separation of religious bodies and states. I actually don't think that's a bad thing. It's one thing to acknowledge your, your history, your tradition, your civilizational values, um, but you, know, you can't talk about having Getting rid of secularism, and then say, "Well, our temples need to be free of government intervention, or, or you know, having their hands in the temples." That you can't have both, right? So, I think that maybe rather than saying we need to do away with secularism, because I've heard some debates so while I'm here on how secularism is not fit for India. Uh, those are sometimes the same voices that are actually fighting for. Um, freeing temples from government control. Uh, How about redefining what it means to be secular rather than the pseudo-secular definition that's kind of become a part of the norm?
1: I I agree with you. I'm a secularist for the record, but I am not naive Mm -hmm. to even think that a nation will not have a reflection of its national consciousness on its constitutional system. America has a Sunday holiday because God worked for, three, six, uh, for six days. God needed a rest. That day happened mm-hmm. to be the day of the Sabbath. That is Sunday for Christians, Friday for Muslims, Saturday for Jews. Lo and behold, all these nations that have a majority of those religions reflect that reality.
2: I'll also just say, you know, I've I've been on Twitter probably a whole lot more than I usually am uh, because I just, you know, aside from kind of had multiple screens going, watching the brand, watching the speech um, and then also seeing kind of the reactions on Twitter. uh, Some people have been posting the um, I think I don't know if it's the some sort of preamble where India is kind of deemed a secular or secular socialist republic. Um, but at the same time, others are posting the constitution that has a, an image of Sita. So just for some context, the United States is a secular democracy. But if you go into the Supreme Court, there's a freeze as you look at the top when you enter. And there's a, a picture of, um, and I might be saying these names wrong, but many's Um, who was the first king uh, of the first dynasty of Egypt. These are all lawmakers, Hammurabi, Moses, Solomon, and a number of others. So this idea, and so what this frieze does basically is acknowledges kind of who are seen as Western civilizations, lawmakers, or, or kind of the symbols of law and justice. So for India to have that in their constitution or wherever it appears, I think is is quite natural. I don't think that there's um, anything that's, um, you know, Hindutva driven or some like symbol of us running towards becoming a Hindu nation. I don't even actually know what that would mean other than providing everyone the freedom to worship let, the way they want. Let, because let that's what our tradition say some... says.
1: Let me play something hilarious that Indian secularists would do. I mean, uh, please hold on because you're about to watch something super hilarious. This is a lady, a journalist called Arfa Khanum Sherwani. She's talking oh, about I've been how, seeing today, her post. how today this date is actually bad. Listen to... A secularist who does not believe religion should be a part of, because the Indian secularist version, right? So listen to this lady and laugh your ass off.
4: दो तीन जो अहम पहलू हैं मैं चाहती हूं उनको आप जरूर देखें ये 40 मिनट का इंटरव्यू भी देखें लेकिन इसके साथ-साथ जो दो तीन अहम पहलू हैं वो ऐसा न हो कि उस वक्त 40 मिनट में आप ना समझ पाए इसीलिए मैं आपको यहां बताने के लिए आई हूं कि इसमें आप ये देखिए कि शंकराचार्य यहां पर ये कह रहे हैं कि उन को जानते हैं जिनसे निकलवाने के लिए कहा गया आप ये सोचिए कि मुहूर्त निकालने के लिए इन ज्योतिषी को कहा गया और यहां समझाया जा रहा है कि सबसे शुभ मुहूर्त था इसलिए ऐसा किया गया यहां पर सीधे तौर पर कह रहे हैं शंकराचार्य के ज्योतिषी ने उनसे कहा था कि जनवरी का मुहूर्त निकालो उनसे कहा गया उन्हें आदेश दिया गया or Sidet or Isn't it wonderful
1: when Indian secularists talk about Jyotishis and astrology and how today is not the day? Isn't it wonderful, Suhaag?
2: <laughs> I'm deeply touched that she wanted to make sure that this happened on an auspicious day. I mean, I don't even know what that is. I mean, there's, there's so much unnecessary politicizing of this, um, of this entire, of this entire day of of this movement. Look, if, and I'm, and I've been watching the mainstream media very closely, um, especially legacy media in the United States, the way in which history appeared to begin in 1990, whatever, as opposed to 500 years ago. You know, this is a temple that's being built on the ruins of a mosque. Well, how did the mosque get there? What's what did the Supreme Court say? All of those details are just absolutely glossed over. This is why mainstream media or legacy media continues to lose public trust. If you're not going to just report what's happening, you're in the wrong business. If you want to be an activist, go out and do that. Get some poster boards, do what you want. Sorry, there's going to be a lot of fireworks in the background. We've been oh, dealing with it's it all, all over
1: where I am it, you're <laughs> going to have fireworks yeah. you know what's going to happen tomorrow there's going to be a special report written in the wire written by someone yes. like Arfa Khanul Sherwani where how the toxic pollution caused by angry Hindutva fanatics yeah
2: <laughs> I've also seen a bunch of farmland being burned uh, that has nothing to do um, you know burning crops has nothing to do with the air pollution or the air quality I can barely breathe uh, but when that's happening but it's going to be the fireworks absolutely
1: (laughs) yeah but i want to talk to you about the diasporic perspective now can i Mm -hmm. i mean this with all seriousness i was overwhelmed when i saw times square i saw images from paris the eiffel tower um i saw images from brampton ontario some of my friends in uh in canada they sent me some photos what does it mean because listen we were here right and my journey that's why you know i wanted to start my journey first through the monologue my journey is different i was like in the thick of things over here uh, growing up as a young kid what does this mean for the diaspora second generation especially or third generation
2: yeah look um well if we if we want to talk about third fourth fifth generation I think that no conversation on the diaspora and the Ramayana is complete without talking about the Indo-Caribbean community. I mean, they um, left really destitute situations here in, the, here in India, and they became indentured servants in, in the Caribbean, sugarcane and, and whatnot under British rule. Uh, life was not easy. I mean, it's called indentured servitude. I think that's still just polite words for slavery. And it was the Ramayan that became their solace, their connection to a higher purpose, their connection to their motherland, and what built their communities. I think one of the most moving things that I've seen is several years ago, when the first uh, prime minister of Indo-Caribbean heritage was elected, this group of literally thousands broke out into Hanuman Jalisa. I mean, this is the lifeblood of the Indo-Caribbean community. You could say the same thing about the Fijian community. Indonesia. Today, I just five minutes ago saw a tweet from the Korean government talking about the connections of the Ramayan between that connects Indic civilization with their civilization. Um, and then just the average Hindu. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Tesla light show in Maryland. I need to know whether yeah. you can program Teslas to, you know, kind of blink like that um, simultaneously and to music, the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, I mean, this is a time where I was really excited to be in India, but I think I kind of missed a lot in the United States too, in terms of the celebrations. There were watch parties, there was ramen katha, there's saptas, I mean, you name it. Um, bhajans, uh, one of the things that I saw happening in, in California Hindus and Sikhs, especially where California, as you know, has kind of become ground zero for a lot of intimidation from, yeah, Fresno, Alameda County, I mean, you should see how atrocious some of these billboards have been, talking about Hindu terror, but um, you know, Kalisani sympathizers have been intimidating mandirs for the past several weeks. We've been in touch with the Department of Homeland Security over that, but you go to the Bay Area of Parivar Mandir and the bhajans that are being sung by Hindus and Sikhs working, you know, worshiping together have really been really moving. Um, So you see all sorts of celebrations that have occurred. I think, look, the same thing that an Indian's gonna feel in terms of, you know, restorative justice, reparations, whatever you wanna call it, like an acknowledgement of a wrong that occurred. And now that, you know, kind of a writing of history. Um, I think that anyone in the diaspora is feeling the same way.
1: But do you think, so, you know, in in the case of us uh, over here, the Hindus over here, this was so important, (laughs) this movement, especially for the urban one. Uh, Listen, Mm -hmm. obviously, rural Indians were way more connected to their identity, way more connected to the culture. I'm not going to deny that, I think. But just to give you a perspective, you can go to the bourgeois areas of Mumbai right now, mm-hmm. Delhi right mm-hmm. now. These are rich people, Suhaag. These are people with net worths of 50 crore INR, 100 crore INR, 1000 crores, and the richest man in India. And all you see everywhere is Shri Ram. Everywhere. Yeah. From the richest everywhere to the poorest. Like I just, you know what I did today? I just took a rickshaw ride and I just went around the old slums, which I used to work in. And then, mm-hmm. because I knew the way, right? So I know where the slum is, where the big buildings are and everywhere you just see bhagwa okay. flags. Yeah. What does it say? Like. They're gonna see all of this outside India. The usual suspects. Your best friend Audrey has written a wonderful piece again. <laughs> yes,
2: Hindu supremacy. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can see. I got in the spirit too. I'm still on the hunt for another 24 flags. I want to take them for friends and family and AJF staff because this is historic. Um, so, I, as far as the diaspora, I, I understand that you know you you see a celebration that transcends class right um i actually think it even transcends religion um, you know while some of the media wants to focus on those that are naysayers of this from the muslim community the christian community i've read some really just touching quotes from people and even talked to people here about look we may change our religion but our ancestry is the same and i think that that's really powerful um, in terms of what this moment means for all indians But I think in the United States, you know, the diaspora is not a monolith. I think you need to look at it in stages. And we've talked about this before. So my parents, for instance, they left India in 1964. They freeze framed 1964, quite frankly, village values um, before moving to the United States. So oftentimes when I meet people, they feel that my Gujarati, the way I speak, some of the traditions we uphold are so old school. Because that's what India is to me. It's actually 1964 India. So you have that generation, and and you see this also, for instance, in the um, Hindu African diaspora. If you go to Nairobi, you go to Tanzania, Mozambique, all these places. Um, they there that kind of cultural um, milieu is feels even older because those are families that left even in the early 1900s. So I think you have that set. And so you're looking at second, third, fourth generation amongst those Hindus. And then you have the newly arrived who came from a rising India. So they're going to be middle class, upper middle class, that sort of thing. They They might even be rising middle class. So you have all these kind of different generational divides or or at least breaking points. You have um, different class classes that are represented. But I think that this has been a moment where people have really kind of come together, transcending list, linguistic and sambradai differences um, to, to celebrate a moment. And I think it's beyond Hindu. I think that what's happened here should serve as a model to other countries where indigenous communities and civilizations have faced the robbing of their sacred sites
1: yeah and maybe i i want to take this question up a little bit more because i did address Mm -hmm. this in my own way maybe i was a little angry i don't know and if people found me to be angry i apologize but every time they say oh what happened on 6th of december 1992 is a tragedy it is this it is that when will we get an answer for we were struggling <laughs> for 496 years? We never stopped the struggle. The 1858 yeah. Nihang Sikhs jumping into the Masjid and writing Lam Ram all over the walls. It's just one such incident. It has been yeah. umpteen incidents like this. Why couldn't you just give it back? Is there any truth and reconciliation? The key bit is truth in the reconciliation. Can we have reconciliation without the truth?
2: I mean, that's a that's a great point. Again, going back to legacy media, this only began in 1992, according to the mainstream reportage. There's no mention of how far back um, the dispute goes, at least the legal dispute. Look, ideally, you know, there's still talk of Mathura and Kashi, right? We need to see the legal process come through. I think that's the most just way to get closure um, on these types of issues. And the truth is gonna speak for itself. I mean, look, I remember we were um, we had brought an American physician friend um, and we were traveling through Delhi and Agra and we were in Minar and he's walking through and then he looks at me and he's like, how's it feel to see reminders of like domination? <laughs> And literally, it caught me off guard because we've actually sometimes become numb to it, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's also a telltale so- sign of of trauma. And it, it took an outsider, this was like maybe 15 years ago, to point that out to me. Now, of course, I can't go anywhere without seeing the signs, but um, we do become numb to it. And I think that what the academy in India did um, is is just such a shame such an absolute shame they were they were a prelude to what we see today um right and i I tweeted about this as well that um the the indian historians i see as like the grandparents or the forefathers of people like i you know people who will remain unnamed who don't really privilege academic integrity don't privilege truth they don't believe in honest scholarship and um, really they're using their purchase from the ivory tower for political aims so could this have been resolved years ago decades ago absolutely i think that there was probably the will amongst the people but politics and um, academics got involved and they made it far more convoluted than it needed to be These types of changes, if they come from people to people, I don't think we need to worry about kind of the worst case scenarios, the gloom and doom predictions um, that the media and academia love to fearmonger with.
1: At the core of this subject, and I'll tell you why I'm taking this, um, because somebody has asked this question. It's a fair question. Fine, you got your Ram Mandir and most likely Kashi and Mathura as well. But can you assure Muslims that Babri Masjid's forceful demolition won't be repeated with Gyanwapi and Mathura? Now, I want to take this head on. I want to take this question head on. And it's an important question. And I appreciate this question from a live viewer. You know, of all the three, as a humble student who reads a little bit of history, loves archaeology. That's what I read a lot. I read archaeology. And let me tell you, if you want to see a marvel of precision, read the Ramjan Mubhumi judgment. It's 1,000 pages of a PDF document. Read it and look at the detailing. Listen, out of all the three, the toughest one in terms of an archaeological perspective is Ramjan Mubhumi. I don't know how many of you have gone and seen Gyanwapi. The masjid, as it is right now, just <clears throat> as is where it is. It is blaring in your face that this was a Hindu monument. The Nandi still exists. They don't even care. They're like, Gyanwapi, I don't want to abuse today because it's a very big day for us. The Gyanwapi is like a big middle finger to us. That's what it is. And it is standing there daily. If you really cared about reconciliation, you know, here's the thing. The Hindus will give 10 acres of land to them for Gyanwapi. For everything, we would give them more land. We have enough land in India. But at a fundamental core, like it or not, there is a fundamental mismatch between the way monotheism in its extreme forms functions want to clear it in its extreme forms, functions, and how Mm -hmm. non monotheistic faiths are. For me, my life is zero without Bullesha. Bullesha was a Muslim. My life is not complete without Bullesha. But I can't... Like, How can you even ask this question, is my point. How do I
2: answer this? I mean, look, as I said before, I think that we... We should trust the courts, um, you know, they, the courts, if in the most difficult uh, case, still arrived at a neutral, non politicized opinion that I think, again, is a model for the world, because there are so many places. Look at Australia. And, you know, they had in Australia, they had the government had a um, policy of taking children from families. And, uh, from the, the the indigenous people. And then so many died. So many were, this was a way of trying to kill the culture, right? And only in recent years has there been some reconciliation. I know that the same scholar activists, I like to actually, activist scholars who are, you know, kind of running around, the sky is falling, sky, sky is falling because Hindutva has taken over, are very supportive of that they're very supportive of sacred sites being given back to native americans they're very supportive of the canadian government apologizing and exhuming graves of children native American, native canadian children or native north americans um children who were taken by the state taken by missionaries put into missionary schools and abused and brainwashed and whatnot so if you support that, then there's absolutely no reason to not support what happened today and what should happen in Kashi and Mathura. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just hypocritical. Um, these are the same people who talk about, you know, Hindu hegemony, but have nothing to say about the Middle East. So either you are for secularism or you're not either you're for reparations or reconciliation or you're not, but you cannot have it different ways. Now, I understand that, um, you know, Indu Vishwanathan wrote a really good piece about this in terms of indigenous and some of the underlying presumptions that are made. Look, most indigenous communities that have survived are very small in number. And I don't think we should lose sight of that. First of all, that we are a story of survival. We are not weak-kneed Hindus who took things laying down. Yes, we were denied access to our most sacred sites, but people never stopped worshiping at those sites. People never stopped passing on the Ramayana. They never stopped you know, their, their home worship when it wasn't safe to go to temples. So to me, this closure is for all those people who fought who secretly did what they had to do and were not here to see this day. I mean, I consider ourselves so fortunate to have witnessed what we did because so many before us didn't have a chance to.
1: Yeah, we didn't have a chance and uh, <laughs> and we were never given a chance. This entire stick of truth and reconciliation. I always say this at a fundamental level, you know, respect all religions, fine. But what if the religion, another religion's base level says you're going to hell? How am I supposed to grapple with that reality? Come on, man. You got to cut me some slack somewhere. I mean, I'm going to hell. Why? Because my God said so. How am I supposed to react to that? What, What do I do with this reality? I, am I supposed to just push it aside, ignore it, live like a you know a, a deranged person or something of that sort? What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah,
2: like I I, know. you know I no, I was just gonna say, I don't know what there's not much that we as Hindus can do, but it's up to those who have taken more pluralistic and universalist, <laughs> interpretations of those traditions that have these problematic verses of condemning those who are not on their path um, and beseeching the extreme fringes of those any extremes are allowed to flourish because the vast majority in the middle who are moderates don't speak up i think we can that's something that's true across the board whether it's politics and some of the rhetoric that we see in the United States, for instance, between you know the right extreme and the left extreme, and the people in the middle are just kind of keeping their heads down for different reasons. And I actually would fault the left more on this. The left mainstream has been absolutely silent in the face of some of the most extremist um, and divisive rhetoric. That's just you know trying to make um, identitarian politics the reality. Um, that the moderates need to speak up. And I think that there are those um, voices within these communities that we should build bridges with to see how can we support you? Because in some cases, it's actually dangerous for them to speak out, depending on where they are. I mean, if they're in India, they're free to speak. But um, in other places, they're not so safe to be able to speak out against the extreme fringes. So um, I think it has to come from within to say, hey, what does our... Tradition look like without literal readings. What does it look like to find those places where they're the most expansive and pluralistic readings, um, and focus in on those, and you know diminish our focus on the more divisive um, quotes or whatever, you know, language that's found in in their their scriptures.
1: Yeah, see, as far as I'm concerned, the road ahead in this entire discourse if, is this. You want reconciliation? I want reconciliation. You want a rising India? I want a rising India. You want security and safety? I want security and safety. But you cannot say, I'm going to hell, my gods are fake, and my emotional uh, <coughs> emotions don't matter. And uh, yeah, too bad, bruh. No, it doesn't work like that. It just cannot work like that. You have to understand that there are a billion plus people whose emotions are at stake over here. Just look at the country today. I saw random people crying on the roads. They were just crying. Mm -hmm. They're just crying, Mm -hmm. singing Ram Bhajans. I've never seen something like this in my life. Are the secularists of India and the Islamists not seeing this? They're crying. They're not triumphalist that eh, we broke the thing. No, no, they're crying because that's how much it means to them. Heck, I'm a disbeliever. I am overwhelmed. I don't even think oh, I'm is a god.
2: I I completely agree with not that part, but I completely agree with just, you know, the everyday man. Um, yesterday, I, I almost got a free rickshaw ride because I was taking pictures of all the 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 orange flags everywhere and it was just like this is incredible so taking pictures and he's like are you trying to see something I'm like no i'm just taking pictures of all these flags and then we struck up a conversation and just randomly he's like like 500 years that's what you know just he's like this is we've waited this long he's finally home so you know as he brought me home he's like I'm so glad that you as a foreigner, I don't know if he didn't think I was Indian, I don't know, but he called me a foreigner, I guess being an NRI as a foreigner, that even for you, if this is important, I love that Bhawna, I can't take money from you. I'm like, no, I can't can't do that. So anyways, almost got a free rickshaw ride just because of this exuberance. That's just one of so many different examples of, um, you know, and I'm in Gujarat. In Gujarat, we say Jai Shri Krishna. Today, I think I haven't heard that all day. I've only heard Jai Shri Ram. Um from every single person that I've um, crossed paths with. So this is it's something that I think Ram has lived in the hearts of Hindus um, in every corner of this country and in every corner of this world.
1: It is. I, I you know what Suha I, I think you could not have worded it better because people don't understand what this country is going through right now. This, it, I I was not born on 15th August, 1947. I don't know what those people felt. What I feel today, I don't think I can feel like this again in my life. No, maybe I will if we well, can. you might two, yeah, yeah, exactly. two
2: more times. Yeah, two more times at so, least. Hold but that thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, we have to. Hey, listen, You don't understand the perseverance of a society that waits for 500 years. Do these people? And even after that, they fought a court case. It doesn't get more civilized than this. They went to the freaking courts. That's what they did. How how much more civilized do you want us to be? Even now, if they don't get it. I don't know when they're going to ever get it. I, I honestly don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, the, uh, the boogeyman, um, Prime Minister Modi, I mean, if, if, according to the New York Times, of course, um, and the Washington Post, but you listen to his speech, and I do hope that that speech is translated. Um, that's one of my biggest pet peeves, that so many of his speeches are not translated into English. And, you know, I know there's people in India who are like, who cares what the Western media thinks about us? But it does matter. Um, because those things shape foreign policy and they shape nation to nation relationships. So I think that that's just real, like unnecessary chest thumping. Um, India is not an island. We live in a globalized society and therefore people should understand what the country is about. But there was no chest thumping. In fact, he asked for forgiveness that it took 500 years, Um, gave a very pluralistic and universal message because that's what hindu dharma is it's about how do humans flourish what are the different pathways pathways that would allow a child book to be part of the broader family right look in other traditions as to what happens to atheists quote-unquote atheists right like so I, I i do hope anyone who's out there listening um translate this speech make it available. Uh, because I think it was a powerful message, not just to the people of India, but I think it really spoke to the heart of this Bhartiya ethos, um, an ethos that has allowed so many communities to live side by side, even though they have the deepest of disagreements. It's allowed persecuted communities, whether it's the Parsis. there were some beautiful um, images of Parsis celebrating this. There's been images of Muslims celebrating this, of Christians celebrating this. That's what India is about.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, that's what India is truly about. There's not a day, like I said. My whole day today, I was... uh, You know what I was listening to? (laughs) I heard the whole thing at at least twice. I was... Mm -hmm. So two years ago, um, it's the... I think, uh, yeah, this was posted two years ago. The he he sings uh, regularly. Uh, before people think that what the hell am I talking about? Uh, this is Bhai Manpreet Singh Ji. You guys should uh, check his channel out. A beautiful singer, and I in fact I'm gonna mm. play a clip when I end today's podcast from Bhai Manpreet Singh Ji. For those uh, who who don't know who Bhai Manpreet Singh is, he is uh, um uh in mumbai and you know there was a samagam in mumbai and if people don't understand this is the whole day right today that's all i was doing i was listening to ram ram bol by bhai manpreet singh this was sung two <laughs> years ago bhai manpreet singh kanpuri this was a samagam in mumbai mm. and People don't understand. Like This is very normal form for a Hindu. This is very normal. There is not a day yeah. in my life where I don't get up and I pick up something that Bule Shah wrote years ago and then I would listen to a, a rendition of Bullesha. If you're a Punjabi, Bullesha is in your DNA. Who cares if he was Muslim? He's as Indian, as dharmic as it gets. Bullesha, yeah. they don't understand the Indian way. I'm not a Hindu by compulsion. I'm a Hindu by choice. And I'm a damn proud one. I'm as Absolutely. Hindu as anybody I... else.
2: Speaking of bhajans, it was interesting, like trending today on, I'm not trying to plug GeoSavan, but that's the service that I happen to use. It was like a couple of playlists of, of Ram bhajans. So, you know, just talking about like, how why is it trending today? Obviously it's touched and and not everyone has Giosavin, so. It's like touched, obviously, so many people that you can change the uh, algorithm to what's trending. Um, but, you know, since I've been in Amdalad, um I come to Amdalad every year, sometimes twice a year. I've been coming for at least 25 years now. I took the heritage walk um, because, you know, Amdalad is a heritage, a world heritage city, a UNESCO world heritage city. And I took the heritage walk for the first time. And there's a beautiful ancient uh, Badrakali temple in the old city, and it's near the Badra uh, gate. And there's a legend that Lakshmi was in the city and Lakshmi wanted to, the goddess Lakshmi wanted to leave. And um, so the, the king was kind of in a quandary, like if you let her go, then health and wealth and prosperity of the, of the town would suffer, but you also can't stop a goddess from going. So the watchman, um, according to this legend, who was Muslim, thought of an in, what he felt was an ingenious way that he said, OK, you can leave once I come back. The only way that he could ensure that he wasn't going to come back was to cut off his head. So he killed himself. And since then, so they say this is like 600 years old, that the same descendants of this Muslim family keep a lamp lit every single day in the fort. So I I met one of the descendants, but this is is just one example of many of peaceful coexistence um, in India, but it's not until you get strident uh, interpretations or foreign money that is funding particular interpretations um, that begin kind of unraveling this very intricately tied bows and making them into um, impenetrable knots
1: yeah like i said sometimes you just run out of words but so i i I might have to take a a few comments from the live stream viewers too now so sure uh, is there anything else uh, you wanted to add or something
2: no i'm just no just wanted to say that um I was so happy to be part of this historic moment here in India, and um, and I just I hope that we can carry this um, this feeling, this pride, um, but also the healing that comes with it into our day to day lives. Yes, we're celebrating um, a commemoration, a consecration, but I think the most important thing about Ram is his message: tell the truth, do your duty transcend differences for a common goal i mean if everyone were to imbibe what the message of the ramayan is i mean imagine where this country can go
1: absolutely so i'm i'm glad you reached out to me while 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 i was about to start and you said uh, i had to talk to someone no no i i'm just i'm 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 so glad you you reached out to me it, it, it really made things easier for me. Like I I seriously, I when I was about to start, I was feeling so overwhelmed. I was like, am I going to, I never do this. Like I did not know if I'm going to be in a position to speak. Somehow, you know, kind of bundled those emotions inside. And I, I was like, okay, you're not going to do anything. You're going to put your head in place. And I somehow did it. You know, the fact that I knew you were going to come on. When I started, I was like, okay, at least she's going to come on. If I mess up, I'm just going to message her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always
2: so what, here for you, Kushal. Uh, thank but you. I, all I'll just say is Jai Shri Ram. Jai Shri Ram.
1: Thank you. And Swag, I'll catch up with you soon, either in India or in America when I visit this year. Thank you very much, Swag. Take care. Bye. Bye. You Bye. too.
2: Bye.
1: All right, guys. Let's uh, let's get back to your questions. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually... Glad that Suha came. So I'm going to take all the questions here. Yes, ram let us all take time to praise respect to those who grind away or for all of us to get this auspicious mindstone. Yeah, I appreciate it. To uh, Suyash has become a member. Thank you very much. Did you see the CNN BBC meltdown? Do they have no shame? I, I honestly have not really seen any meltdown today because I didn't care. I mean, maybe we will. Um, Later on, uh, on the Sham Sharma show, but I'm not lying. I'm so overwhelmed today. Like when I was messaging some of my friends, uh, and it's my best friend's birthday today. So I'm even happier because it's my best friend's birthday. Like I'm friends with him from grade one Like he means so much to me. And today, this day and his birthday, I just, it could not get better than it. That's all I can say. So somebody said I was one of them in 1992. I guess they're saying uh, to to me changing fundamentally as a person. So, yeah, I hear you. So, um, Mr. Dilipji, today I feel emotional, freedom from all lies, getting back to our heritage, seen events from 1985 and never imagined I would see the temple a reality. Dilip Bhai, you're not alone. There are many, many, many of us who never thought this day would come never thought this day would come seriously the amount of times you know we have used that line mandir mahi banayenge banayenge nahi batayenge mocking this entire idea i mean i can't tell you how many times it has happened so hey if you're emotional uh, I, I don't blame you somebody has said kushal circle gujarat and mumbai dono ne jaga Pathar mare hindu yatra par, I मुसलमानों ने गुजरात में तो डाल दिया उनको जेल में मुंबई में क्या हुआ आई हैव नॉट चेक द न्यूज़ सो आई कांट कमेंट ऑन इट यार आज राम का मंदिर बना है उसके ऊपर सोचो यार ये सब मत सोचो इसको बाद में देखो पुशल व्हाट डू यू थिंक विल अयोध्या आफ्टर 10 इयर्स सिंस द वक्फ बोर्ड आर सेइंग दे आर गोना मेक अ मॉस्क 10 Economic zone hoga, just me a economy boom karegi, bhaktuenge, puja part karenge, hoga. Um do you think this victory of is a victory of patience, perseverance, and dedication of people who lived in this part of the world for uh, many millenniums? Yeah, man, it is a victory of patience and perseverance. 496 years. Tell me one one civilization that could do this it is just the hindu lot that can do this only the hindus could do something like this and i am dead serious when i say this dead serious genuine question why didn't indian muslim community by themselves hand over this land to the hindus they're anyways getting a mosque would they believe me none of this would have happened if it was not for those evil freaking Marxist historians, I say this with full responsibility. Look at the work of Conrad Els, especially, and the evil role, the evil role these historians played. Inhone unko uksaya Muslim community ko. Ye kabi na hota agar wo uksate nahi inko. Kabi na hota. But, ठीक So Adarsh Tiwari says, Pura Desh, Ram mein hai, Mitra, Ram, Ram lo or muskurao, jau, lagge raho uh, mein. I'm still speechless. Okay, I understand. Hand folded and thank you Suhaag Ji, NHF for the work uh, for Sanatani's especially on SB403. I'll definitely let suhag know. Um, somebody has said no questions. Just thank you for everything you do. No matter what anyone says, this is huge in terms of the morale of the civilization. Yes, it is. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not never felt anything like this in my freaking life man i have never never ever felt anything like this in my life i just it is just it's kind of a unique feeling uh it is a great day and i hope the nation is saffronized further but i'm concerned about the new mosque in ayodhya it can be a source for terror how do we solve it no i don't think so the new mosque in ayodhya is going to be a source for terror uh i think we should shed such notions I believe we should trust our people. They are part of our society. We should stop having such notions. Shed this. Just celebrate the Ram Mandir and stop. Stop having such thoughts. Don't don't have such negative thoughts in your mind. So Kanav just wanted to say Jai Shri Ram, Jai Shri Ram to you, Kanav Prathmesh Dharme. Thank you for uh, becoming a new member. Sudhir ji, pass my regards to Shukla ji. Thank you. I will uh, definitely. Pratmesh says Jai Shri Ram. So Nikhil says Kushal, you and Sham Sharma are the ones who enlightened me about historical injustices. I thank you for that. I, 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 uh, I you're welcome, and I appreciate it. Uh, otherwise, I would be a same old Malu lefty. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Um, um 14- تھے, آئے, گے, Jai Shri Ram. Yes, Jai Sri Ram to that. Kushal, when are you going to mention that first effort in this enterprise of justice was led by a Niang Sikh? I mean, I literally mentioned it multiple times, sir. Um Was arguing with a colleague from Tamil Nadu. He justified Karsevak's death by if people attack my place of worship of 500 years, even I would kill them. And what about Buddhists and Jain temples Hindus established? Uh, As far as the Hindus and uh, Hindu uh, Buddhists and Jain temples bit, uh, there is a very detailed section in Sitaram Gol's book. You should uh, read that. It answers this in detail. You can download that book for free, by the way. Hindu temples, what happened to them. And Like I said, the counter is that, why did they have to wait for so long? Why was this made so hard? Ritu Patil, does this make the path to restoring Kashi and Mathura easier or will it also take 30 more years? Listen, it definitely makes it easier, but always remember, I wanna remind all of you again, everything is downstream from politics. So Rituji, always remember, Politics is the most uh, important thing. If you do not respect political realities, you will not get what you want. You have gotten what you wanted because you made certain political decisions. You can like it, you can hate it, but the reality doesn't change. In fact, I would say it this way. You can ignore gravity. That doesn't mean Gravity ceases to exist. So accept this reality. Accept the fact that if it was not for political power and political acumen, we may not have this. The Suryavanshi Thakurs would not get to wear a pagdi after nine generations if it was not for political power. So respect the reality that In a country like India, especially, everything is downstream from politics. Like it or not, everything is downstream from politics. Get your politics sorted over a period of time. Kashi and Mathura will be sorted too. Just make sure you keep making sure that a certain political party stays in power and you'll see the results. Yeah, Sri Ram, I would like to appreciate Yogi Ji and his team for helping in translations in record time for court case. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think so many people, man. So many people. Like, you have no idea how much Conrad Els and his work has contributed to this mo- movement. I, I don't know if you guys even know his contribution. Just go and check how much original research Conrad Else did. I know a lot of us get into arguments with him online. I don't. I, I respect the man like anything. I don't have to agree with everything uh, Dr. Else says, but my respect for him, Shri Khan Talgiri, Sita Ram Goel, Ram Swaroop, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. So there yeah, are many people go and check their work out. You know, if I was to say, read Minakshi Jain, Conrad Els, Sita Ramgol, Ram, Ram Swarup, Harsh Naren, read the Supreme Court judgment. Watch certain videos that these people have done. Uh, Minakshi Ma'am has come on the Charvak podcast multiple times. You know, listen to her. It, the the abs, absolute effort these people have put in. You have no idea. The effort they have put in, you have no idea. And you will only appreciate it when you read. There is no shortcut to knowledge. There is no 60-second video that can give you an answer. Learn to appreciate the effort these great men and women have put in. I mean, it's just out of this world. Shri Ram to everyone. This day just shows what Hindu unity looks like and what we can achieve. Modi ji is coming back with three fifty plus this time. I feel I'm not a fortune teller, but uh, like I don't have a crystal ball or anything. Uh, but yeah, I won't be surprised if we get three hundred plus. Mother well, V as in BJP. I'm sorry, gets three hundred plus seats. I mean, I I'm a very open BJP voter. I'm not even gonna lie. I will even work for the BJP in the elections on my own capacity. I don't take any money from the BJP, but I still uh, would work and I want to be very clear. So my left-wing viewers should know that I am pro-BJP and they should respect that. So, no, I think I, I said what I had to say. I don't know if I could express myself properly today. I hope I could. If I could not and you felt that I made a mistake, uh, I apologize in advance. You know, if you guys can't read books, if you guys cannot read books, you know, there is this article that I would highly recommend all of you to read. This article is from 15th November 2019. It was an interview posted by Rahul Pandita, an interview with the great Minakshi. A great historian, Minakshi Jain. And, uh, I would urge you guys to go and read this. If you it, then you will be very Go and I'm going to take the link and put it up in the live stream too and share it on the screen so that all of you don't even have to Google it because I know how lazy all of y'all are. So, go and this is, Open Magazine, uh, Left Historians Misled Indian Muslims on Ayodhya. I know because this is good, there is going to be an audio version of this too. I really urge you guys to go and read this. Read this. You'll get a lot of answers through this particular article. Other than that, like I recommended, read the books, read the Supreme Court Judgment. If you do, have the patience. and. You will get a lot of answers. I'll I'll end it at this. Uh, once again, I want to leave all of you today with the essence of Indian society. Like I said, I will never stop singing Bulesha, reading Bullesha. I will never ignore the Sikh gurus. I will never ignore Bhagwan Mahavir or Bhagwan Buddha. I will never stop being a Charvak or an Irishwarwadi. Because my culture taught me to learn from everything. I will take the good from Jesus Christ too. I don't care. I will take the good from Prophet Muhammad too. This is my way. This is my way and this is my way forever. I am a Hindu by choice. I'm going to leave you with a beautiful rendition. Again from Bhai Manpreet Singh Ji. This is from the same video that I showed you. And we'll end it here. I want to once again congratulate all of you on this great occasion where we finally got the Bhavya Ram Mandir that we were struggling for for 500 years. We should be exuberant in our celebration, but we at the same time should look at it from a very responsible perspective. Ayodhya to hai, Kashi Mathura Baki hai. Jai Shri Ram, take care. Enjoy a couple of minutes of this. <laughs>